0: Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information, and Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans, by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Thursday, September 29th, we're studying Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 to 29. The Lord commissions Joshua in preparation for his quickly coming leadership of the people of Israel, even as Moses continues to prepare Israel for his death and for the people's entrance into the promised land. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Dustin Beck. Pastor Beck serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Good morning, Pastor Apple. How are you?
0: I am well. How are you on this feast day of St. Michael and all angels? Just living the dream, you know? It's a good day. God be praised. Indeed. Pastor Beck, we're in Deuteronomy 31 this morning. What should we know about Deuteronomy? What Moses has been up to leading up to our text today?
1: Right, so I don't know if any of your guests have mentioned this or not, but uh, Deuteronomy—the name that is that we use for it—is actually from the Greek for the second law, the second giving. I'm just kidding. I think well, a couple pa- of guests Pastor, have mentioned it. Pastor
0: that. Mitwitty in yesterday's program talked about it as second breakfast.
1: Second breakfast, uh, like in the Hobbits. That's and right. The, yes. 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 Uh, I still prefer uh, the original Hebrew title uh, that they would have used, which was "These Words." Yes. Right. That's so good because uh, Deuteronomy is filled with a lot of words. Um, in fact, it's uh, it's sort of this is. Moses's Moses' farewell sermon series that he's delivering to uh, the Israelites as they're about to leave him behind, uh, well, he's he's going to a much better place. Uh, and then they're going to go and conquer the promised land. They're going to enter in, and uh, we hear in our lesson today uh, that it's not going to be all uh, milk and honey and roses and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this book uh, is sort of a, a recap which I think is short for a recapitulation, right? We're going to go back through and we're going to talk uh, throughout the whole book of Deuteronomy about, uh, first of all, God's history with his people, the fact that he called them and he made them to be his people, um, the expectations that God has had along the way, and then the expectations he'll have as they enter into the promised land. Um, and then uh, we're going to hear even about another prophet that will come and will be like my servant Moses, God says. Um, and of course that's going to be talking about Jesus. So, uh, Deuteronomy is a fun book. It's, uh, I mean, it's the way that the Torah closes, um, which is, it's interesting to me. And this is something that I've, uh, recently just, uh, kind of rediscovered or re, uh, really picked up on is the fact that, um, as Deuteronomy closes out the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, um, the books of Moses, um, we're almost sort of left with a cliffhanger, right? Because, um, I mean, there are all of these promises that are made. You think of um, Adam and Eve and, you know, the serpent and everything. God promises that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, you've got Abraham and the promise that through his offspring, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. I mean, you just got all of this building up, and then not a lot of it we actually get to see in the Torah as being completely fulfilled. Um, and so, which that kind of leads me to say that um, God's people are always hanging on to his word, that's what we're called to be, um, so that when he fulfills it, we will have walked not by sight, but instead we will have walked by faith, Uh, which again is uh, Old Testament Israel wandering through the wilderness for a generation. Um, They're going to wind up in the promised land, but they're not the ones who saw the ten plagues. They're not the ones who saw the Red Sea crossing. They're their children. It's the next generation that heard about these things. They received them by faith, and then they cross over. Uh, but I'm probably being a little bit too generous. I'm painting it with a little bit too rosy of, a, uh, of, a, of, a, uh, of a, an image here, of a hue, uh, because what we're dealing with today is sort of the, the falling action, if you will. We finished the three sermons, and so I, I think this is uh, an appropriate uh, way to say it, is the denouement Ooh, do you nice. remember that from English class? I, I in do. Yeah, ninth I, grade?
0: Never knowing how to pronounce it either. Well, um, we're right I, there. I well think it's done. French. I think so. Yeah.
1: Dénouement is the falling action after the big stuff has taken place. Uh, and so this is going to be sort of um, Moses has finished the sermon. Uh, we're about to hear a song tomorrow. I'm so excited. I love the songs, right? Yeah. We're about to hear a song, um, and then we're going to have just sort of the account of everything handing over to Joshua. We hear some of that today. Uh, and then Moses is going to go and die, and that's that's the end. Yeah. It, right. it kind of ends with a little bit of a whimper. Wait, what? Yeah. Wasn't what I was expecting at all.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you were talking about how there is, are these cliffhangers in the the Torah. Of Moses. Yeah. That's the way the book of Genesis ends: is with the death, the death of Joseph. Sure. Here we're going to end the whole thing with the death of of Moses, and you know nobody like him has arisen in Israel since. It's it's like the Old Testament is looking forward to someone who's coming. It's almost like that. I think so. I think so. Who could have yeah. planned it that way? I know it's a it's it's remarkable. God be praised for His Word. <laughs> so we get we get more words of Moses. Quite a quite a bit of variety here. Mm-hmm. in the the section that we have it's you know we were talking about the three sermons being done and this denouement, did i pronounce I think that you correctly did. yeah and and almost like we were we we're a little bit about this before this is part kind of like when the host of a radio show hey, says hey you've got about 3 minutes left and the guest talks for 5 <laughs> yes so <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of what we got here toward the end of Deuteronomy supplementary material uh, just the extra stuff that Moses still needs to say Leading up to the song in chapter 32, we're going to see a a pretty key introduction to that in our text today. So let's go ahead and, and take a look at the text. This is Deuteronomy 31, beginning at verse 14. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, the day's approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him and Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end Moses commanded the Levites who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord take this book of the law and put it by the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there for a witness against you for I know how rebellious and stubborn you are behold even today while I am yet alive with you you have been rebellious against the Lord how much more after my death assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death, you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you, because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. That's our text for today, Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 to 29. Pastor Beck, in the text several times, Joshua comes up. We heard a little bit about him in yesterday's text, in the first part of chapter 31. How, how does the text kick off? What What's going on with Joshua?
1: So Joshua's going to take over. I mean, he's the, uh, he's the one who actually gets to bring them into the promised land. Um, he's been the assistant of Moses now for uh, most of the 40 years they've been wandering, um, and The sort of the place that most uh, most of us go in terms of our our Christology, in terms of um, our Christian reading and understanding, uh, is that. for very good reasons, uh, Joshua, uh, Hebrew, pronounced Yeshua, um, right? And then um, it's the same name that is given to Jesus, which means Yahweh, or the Lord is my salvation, or the Lord saves. Um, and so when Jesus uh, is given that name by the angel Gabriel, right, you, you will call his name Jesus, uh, for he uh, will save his people from their sins. Um, Jesus is the new and greater Joshua, You've sort of got um, the law and the prophets, you've got the Old Testament, you've got Moses himself uh, that brings people not into the promised land, but it actually shows them uh, their need for somebody to lead them into uh, the even greater promised land than Israel Uh eternal life, um, into the kingdom of God. And so, um, we look at Joshua and we see that he is going to be the one that brings them there. He is going to be the one that fulfills, um, that promise that, uh, again, is referenced here several times God said, I promised, you know, your forefathers that, um, you know, going all the way back to Abraham, that this land, uh, will be theirs. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's kind of that's where Joshua starts to fit into this, and so this is going to be uh, uh, this text today is sort of the bridge text where we're going to have that that changing of the guard, right? I mean, we've we've had that going on just recently in in world politics and in uh, in world history, um, as you know, Queen Elizabeth has passed on, on uh, as uh, as Charles, right, Charles the yeah, third, that's right, Yeah, Charles Part Three, yeah, that one, uh, as as he's ascending to the throne, we have um, this this um, this really fresh in our minds, the idea of the mantle passing from one Mm -hmm. to the next. Um, but here, um, again, Joshua is going to be the, the type we would say of Christ, right? He is the, um, uh, he is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus because what the law, what Moses, what the prophets, what all of that couldn't do, uh, which is ultimately be the ones that take care of this, get us uh, into the place that God would have us, Joshua, or better put, the new Joshua, Jesus, is going to come and he's going to actually uh, bring the people of God into the promised land of eternal life.
0: As I look at what's said here again, by the Lord to Moses. We, we heard yeah. about Joshua being commissioned, sort uh, sort of, in the previous text. But here, what's striking is that the Lord tells Moses, you call Joshua here, and I'm going to commission right. him. It's, it's over and over in this chapter, I think you see how the Lord makes it plain to the people who have been following Moses as their earthly leader for 40 years now, I want you to know for sure that this guy, Joshua, he really is the successor that you are to follow into the promise. Yeah. He Land. even
1: brings out the cloud and everything. Yeah. They go yeah. to the tent of meeting and then the, the, the pillar of cloud, the same one that inhabits the, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the same one that led them for these 40 years. And, you know, remember all the way back to the Exodus divided, uh, between Israel and between Pharaoh's army, right. Uh, to protect them as they were, you know, crossing the red sea, that same cloud of God's presence, which will one day even fill the temple. Right. Um, that same cloud shows up um, at this changing of the guard when God is going to say, he's the guy now.
0: Mm. So the, they are there together, the, Moses and Joshua, at the tent of meeting right. as the conversation then continues. So in, in verse 16, the Lord speaks further to Moses and, and thinking about you know a farewell sermon that a pastor yeah. might preach... This is where Moses maybe goes off the script of what say the circuit visitors manual suggests <laughs> right. about a gospel focused sermon for your farewell. Moses Moses here from the Lord of course is hearing yeah. these words. He's pretty blunt with the people about what they're going to 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 do going into the promised land. Although before we get there, if I I I made a note here that I want to to bring up because you sure. you were talked about earlier. You mentioned you know, Moses is going to a better place. He's going to die. Yeah, and and the way that it's spoken in verse sixteen, the Lord tells Moses, "Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers," yeah. which certainly means that he's going to die. But the right. way that it's phrased, I think, is is meant to comfort the Christian when it comes to yeah, death.
1: absolutely, absolutely. So you see this um, going back all the way. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the first time that this is mentioned. Um, I think,
0: does it happen with Jacob or Joseph I, I, I at the end of Genesis? So.
1: I believe so. Well, no, you actually even have, you know, like the idea of being gathered up to his yeah. people. There you go. Right? You have that through uh, throughout even the book of Genesis, right? Which, I mean, and I this is kind of a weird little thing that I realized uh, just recently when I was going through the book of Genesis, that um, the, that same little phrase, gathered to his people, that's even mentioned of Ishmael. Right, not the not the promised child Isaac. Yeah. I mean, he is also gathered up to his his people. Uh, but even Ishmael, who is circumcised, right? I mean, he is uh, given that same kind of a. Uh, um I guess you could say Moses gives him a send off yeah. when he writes Genesis. Uh, but so this is to be understood. I believe um, that this is saying that he is gathered to the people of God. He is gathered to the the patriarchs and the the saints and archangels we would talk about. Um, so I do think that that's uh, that's an important thing for us to see is that um, when God tells Moses that he's about to die. And, and by the way, oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, this is it's almost if it wasn't such a sad thing that that God is telling Moses, it would almost kind of be. Uh, like, humorous, hmm. maybe? Because, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, if you've ever, you know, been around a loved one, you know, on their deathbed, which is obviously just the saddest thing, you know, what do we tell them? Like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay without you. Like, we're going to love you. We're going to miss you. We'll remember you forever, but, you know, we're going to be okay. You almost give uh, the, the dying uh, the permission hmm. to, to pass on this is kind of the opposite of that. It's like, Moses, it's about time for you to die. And when you're gone, everything is going to completely fall apart. You know, so <laughs> I wonder how Moses receives this, uh, because this is this is the way that God is is sending Moses off. This is farewell, Moses. It's about to get really bad. And maybe Moses just kind of shrugs and goes, I mean— yeah.
0: I saw that coming. I
1: saw that one coming, right, yeah. I've barely been able to hold them back these last forty years myself, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, and and fair enough. And I do that's kind of what's <laughs> going on in the text, but just that I I was I didn't want to miss the. I do think the comfort that like is there, there is about absolutely the way comfort. Comfort. Yes, I Scripture apologize. speaks about about death there that it is right. going to be with your fathers. Yeah, I mean, and and that caught my eye. We we recently studied in a circuit pastor's meeting the text from Luke sixteen with Lazarus and the rich man. Yes, and and there Lazarus is called to be with. Father Abraham at right. his side. I mean, I think something similar for Moses. Abraham is already with the Lord. Moses is going to be with his father Abraham. Exactly. There's comfort there too.
1: Yeah. There's there's comfort, and at the same time, it's like things are not going to be great.
0: Yeah. So take us into that. Of us. Yeah, that. Yeah. Things are not going to be great. I what? jumped
1: the gun. <laughs> no. Well, and I, I
0: forgot that I wanted to mention that. But go ahead. Oh, I love T- it. Take us into the, what's what's going to happen. with Sure. Moses so the dies.
1: very next thing that's going to happen, you're going to lie down with your fathers, and Moses is maybe thinking. Sounds good. Sign me up. And then this people will rise and they will whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. They're going to join themselves. um, And in a very graphic way here, uh, God says this, uh, that they're going to commit not even only just idolatry, but it's going to be adultery. They're going to leave and forsake God um, so that they can go and be with these other gods um, that are already, you know, in the land as it were. I mean, These gods don't actually exist, but the, you know, the, the false, uh, the worshipers of these false gods, uh, will mislead them. Um, and then God says, you know, what, what happens when people trust in other gods, um, is that God allows them to trust in those other gods. Um, and it's almost kind of like when you, um, I know that you would never do this, but when we allow our kids to, to fail at something that's just very minor because it teaches them, it shows them, it it reveals a lesson to them. And so God just kind of says, we'll see how that works out for you knowing that to be to separate themselves from the love of God uh, is to ultimately choose death. Remember back in that third and final sermon, right? I have set before you life and good, death and evil. Yeah. So choose the good stuff, choose the life. Well, they're going to do the other thing, right? Which is uh, not going to be good. Yeah. So, I have and that in my notes here, not good.
0: Not good. That's, yes. that's a very good summary of that. Gentle this way of putting it. Not good. <laughs> that many evils, and and it will be because the Lord does it. it it's not only yeah. that. That's kind of the way things go, but this is actually the Lord bringing this on His people, right. out of His anger, kindling them against, kindling His anger against them, to that, to the point that He, I mean, like He says He hides His face from them, and you see things like. For example, in the prophet Ezekiel, where the the glory of the Lord departs Leaves. the temple,
1: there goes the cloud.
0: These things actually happen, and it is it is a terrible thing, right? But the Lord gives His people what they've been asking for all along, exactly. And that's not a good thing
1: when that happens. No, no, we should never want what we want. That's part of the problem, right? And when God gives us what we want, um, that's usually when we hopefully. Uh, when we learn repentance, mm. when we learn to die to ourselves and to to live in Christ. Mm.
0: So a very realistic picture that the Lord paints for Moses oh, yeah. right before he dies. This is what's going to happen. Again, this is not a surprise to Moses. He knows who these people are, what they've been. and and he's admitted within the book of Deuteronomy that he's been a part of that rebelliousness, you know yeah. I mean the the whole reason that he is about to lie down with his fathers, or in, in verse 14, the days are approaching when he must die. Yeah. That's because of his own rebellion among the people. And so this is the Lord reminding Moses, this is going to continue after you die, but but I want you to do something yet while you are still alive. Therefore, write this song. And so we, we get an introduction here to the song of Moses that's going to take up all of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Yeah. Into verse 19.
1: I think I should probably be asking you the questions, because you've written hymns and things like that, and that's, that's more your wheelhouse than mine. You can make things rhyme. I usually just... Uh,
0: well, Hebrew poetry doesn't always rhyme, as you know. I know.
1: It should, though. Maybe. Poetry's better when it rhymes. That's not in uh, verse 19, though. It's not. So... Um, <laughs> What is the point of the song, right? Um, I mean, so God instructs Moses to to write this song uh, so that the people will know it, so that it'll become a part of, of what they know in their hearts, what they sing, what they are familiar with. I mean, this is going to be one of their greatest hits Um so to speak, right? This should be um, something that is on the lips of the Israelites forever um, is to know this. And uh, you'll obviously get a chance to talk about that um, in tomorrow's episode. So I don't want to spoil all of that. Um, But the idea here is that this is ultimately going to serve as yet one more witness whenever the people break the covenant. Okay, Um, whenever a a covenant was established in the ancient world, um, you would have uh, several different things that we're going to talk about today. One of them is that you would have um, these witnesses to the covenant, to the covenant actually being cut, uh, so that on the other side of it, if one party or the other, you know, um, reneges on the covenant, um, those witnesses are able to come back and they're able to say, no, you didn't do the thing. You are guilty here. You have broken faith. Um, And isn't it amazing that when God establishes the covenant at Sinai with his people, uh, who are the witnesses that he calls? He goes, uh, Just heaven and earth. Like yes. all of creation is going to testify against you if you break faithful, co- you know, covenant faithfulness with me. Oh, that's all. Yeah. That's, that's right. all. That's right. So if heaven and earth are going to testify, if they're bearing witness, um, then who can escape from? Uh, You know, who can get by with, you know, I mean, if you, if you enter into an an agreement with somebody and that somebody is not there, then I mean, do you have to completely live by that? Right. Um, You know, uh, if you, if you and your best friend decide that y'all are both going to go on a diet, right. And you're not going to, you know, we're going to make this pact together and we're not going to eat junk food and stuff like that. um, There's a part of you when best friend isn't around and you're like, you know, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. But when all of heaven and all of earth are testifying against you, um, there's not a place where you can sneak around God's back. There's not a way that you can can sin, that you can transgress, that you can break the faith without God ultimately knowing about it as well.
0: So the the song is given as a witness in addition to heaven and earth. Exactly. We we get that language of heaven and earth, but the song then is going to function as a witness. How does the song function as a witness? Yeah, so the
1: song is going to function as a witness, uh, first of all, because it's going to be written on their hearts. I mean, this is something that they are going to learn by heart. Uh, And I I always have, uh, you know, people that are— kind of surprised you know in you know maybe in confirmation class or in a new testament at uh, faith high school when i talk about the fact that you know a long time ago people were actually really good at memorizing things they had attention spans that lasted a lot longer than ours do in the 21st century squirrel squirrel yes yes exactly that's from the movie up thank by you the way. yes i yes. knew that yes i'll uh copyright Sorry, I... uh mentions of Sorry. disney without express permission of usage now that's not a thing it probably is a thing but we'll just keep moving on keep moving squirrel there we go yes um so you learn a song a lot easier sometimes than you uh learn um just you know the rote you know prose um i mean do you know the books of the bible song pastor apple
0: i've got one that there's I've several used, yeah. right
1: there's several out there and i recently saw the concordia publishing house um out of St. Louis, Missouri, wonderful place. Uh, that they actually put out some music uh, several years back. Uh, that is the entire Small Catechism of Martin Luther set to music. Yep. I'm still learning, to, trying to learn to sing it, but it's it's the entire catechism. Yeah. And when you learn to sing it like that, uh, you'll never forget it. That's right. Okay. So uh, singing stuff uh, puts it on our uh, on our hearts. Um, it is something that we you know, and this happens a lot of times uh, for me, even with just a turn of phrase. Like you'll pull, you know, one line out of a hymn and I just like, Oh, okay. That's from, that's from that hymn. And maybe I can hum a few bars of it. Right. Uh, Or maybe I remember a couple of entire verses of it, but again, rewind a couple thousand years and you've got people that, uh, in many, in large part due to their illiteracy and their lack of a smartphone in their pocket where they can write things down, um, they would actually be able to memorize these things, perhaps even with just one hearing of it or one speaking of it um, or one singing of it in this case. So this song is going to be a new song, uh, and it's meant to be sort of the um, the story of God's people, right, sort of compressed down into one relatively, when compared with the first five books of the Bible, relatively short little exposition. Uh, and so this is what the people are to take with them. And I love uh, when, um, uh, when it's talking here in verse uh, 21, uh, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, like it's going to ring in their hearts. Uh, and then they have this little uh, parenthetical notation, or obviously, uh, hope it's obvious, uh, the parentheses were not in the original Hebrew. That's true. That is true. (laughs) But the little notation that is added here by Moses, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. Moses records that for us, right? Um, Which is to say, like, this is something that you'll be singing with your kids there present. On that every seven years when you come together to read the entire book of Deuteronomy. uh, On that... um, you know, when you sit up and when you get down, I think the last time that I was on the show, we talked about Deuteronomy 6 yep. and Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and you shall write these things, you know, on the doorposts of your homes, and you shall talk about them when you get up and when you go to bed. Um, so, this is one of the ways that they'll be talking about this um, is to sing this song. So, perhaps it's used at times as a lullaby, probably not the nicest lullaby, uh, but it's something that the kids would have known uh, from repetition uh, over the course of their lives. Um, and it keeps reminding them, keeps bringing the back to this fact that God is faithful. They have not been. Um, God loves them. God will forgive them. God will raise them back up again.
0: So Moses is going to write this song for the people of Israel. Again, that will be recorded in the next chapter, but it does get introduced here. We're going to go ahead and take our break right there. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking about Deuteronomy 31 with Pastor Dustin Beck. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, September 29th. We're studying Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 to 29, with Pastor Dustin Beck. He serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, prior to the break, we were talking about the song and the way that it functions as a witness. And he did a nice job of describing that. In his commentary, Professor Harstad makes a, a comparison to perhaps the way Christmas hymns function in our yeah. cultural still today, that, you know, you, you have people who grew up singing the hymns of the church, sure. particularly Christmas hymns. And then for whatever reason, they fell away from the church, fell away from the faith. Mm. But these hymns still resound, particularly during the month of December, and in that way can function as a witness against those who have been unfaithful, much like this song does.
1: Yeah, except when like Michael Buble and <laughs> Mariah Carey sing them. because Don't they only sing at Christmas? Probably so. Probably so. That doesn't apply to what you're talking about, though.
0: No, no, but I just the, the idea that, that <laughs> now, I, a, I understand what you're that saying. That a it's hymn a that has been learned yeah. at one time and then you fell away from it, but you still have that hymn in right. your mind. And, it's still and you, ingrained. You, I mean you can't help but start to sing along with those? I mean, yeah. I you know, as as believers, yes, we do. But I, I imagine those like you you sing it every year at Christmas. You hear "Hark the Herald Angels right. Sing" or "Joy to the World," you still start humming that. Oh, absolutely. And, And if you let the word work on you, it's going to start to convict you and serve as a witness against the way you've fallen into unfaithfulness.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very good point. I was just being... I understand,
0: yeah. I understand. So It's early. So, so that, That's right, that's right. Now, uh, one thing I, I want to talk a little bit about, because you did mention that you know, I, I've written some hymns, and there are hymn writers still today. The Lord tells Moses, write this song. Yeah. I, I do think that's a, maybe a decent place to talk, just briefly, about the way the Word of God works, that he gives this song to Moses, but Moses yeah. writes it. I mean, you have the idea of the, the inspiration of Scripture there, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because um, indeed, God is, he commands him to write it, but then we also confess that every word that is, you know, written in Scripture is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, uh, and so you got both those things going on at once. You have the yeah. the human authorship of Moses, um, who has. Intimate knowledge of these this people for the last forty years, uh, but you also have the you know omniscience of God Almighty uh, that is uh, is also a lending aid for that. Um, and so these are uh, going to be the words of Moses, but these are uh, ultimately written by the Spirit of God. That's right. So
0: yeah, and we will get more of. I mean, we'll get the song itself the in Deuteronomy thirty-two, but you do get a pretty good preview here of what is going to be in that song. Oh yeah. Yeah, and as you yeah. said, it's. It, it's it's quite the the closing hymn for mm-hmm. for this divine service that Moses has been preaching at. I don't know if that's probably too much.
1: <laughs> I had an organist one time that said we have to end with a happy song. We have to end with a hymn that's in a major key that sends them out on a high note. You know, not literally on a high note, sure. uh, but said just sends them out, you know, with one that they love to sing. I don't know if that's exactly what we get here.
0: Well, and I think, you know, to go back to the idea of the the calling the witness and the song serving that function. Yeah, that's what the people need at this. That's what point. they need,
1: absolutely.
0: And that's what anyone who who falls into unfaithfulness needs. Right, is that witness, which is is why you know I mean, as as much of a struggle as it is for for people today, and and I include myself in that sure. to to memorize things. Yeah. It, it's good for us to continue to give those things to our children, to absolutely. the church for their memory. So that if they do fall away, there is that witness in their conscience testifying against them, right. not, not just to make them feel bad or send them out on a downer, but Absolutely. to call, ultimately to call them to repentance. That's the whole point,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I would say that this, again, uh, going back to the kind of the opening comments that we made today, was the fact that, you know, the book of Deuteronomy and the the Torah in a larger sense, they sort of end with an ellipsis. Mm-hmm. That's the dot, 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 yeah. right? Like, more to come. The other shoe is yet to drop. Right, um, and that is going to be Christ. That is going to ultimately be Jesus who comes, uh, so that our children today in the twenty first century don't aren't left with an incomplete thought or an incomplete uh, uh, promise, but instead that it has been fulfilled in Christ. Um, and it'll be finally fulfilled when he comes again in glory. So we, I guess, we're left with a little bit of an ellipsis. But we've seen more of of the image of God's uh, God's kingdom, God's reign.
0: Certainly, yeah. I mean, yeah. for for Old Testament Israel going through this, there is that ellipsis. For us, you know, we know how Matthew one verse one starts. Right. I mean, you've got all these cliffhangers in the Old Testament. I, you know, we've already mentioned Genesis and Deuteronomy. 2nd Kings ends with a bit of a cliffhanger remember, yeah. where there's the the king who's in exile but he gets honored there at the end. Yeah. The book of Malachi of course ends with a, a you're like wait a second what that's where it stops and then you come to Matthew one, 1 and that's where I these I thought you were
1: going to mention Jonah too which ends with there's a lot of cattle there. <laughs>
0: that is a cliffhanger. Should,
1: should God have mercy because there's a lot of people who don't know their left from their right and also a lot of cattle.
0: Yes, that's true as well. That's my favorite cliffhanger. It is it is quite the end <laughs> to a book. All of that pointing to Matthew one verse one. Absolutely, here's yes. the book of of the genealogy of Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, and you're you're teaching New Testament at Faith Lutheran High School, so I wanted to make sure you had a chance to talk a little bit about the New I'm Testament. I'm sure my students will listen to this. I'm sure they will. That's right.
1: I mean, Extra credit if
0: they do. Perfect. Perfect. We'll hold you to that, Pastor. <laughs> so, so Moses is given the song and he writes it. it. I mean, and again, we're thinking this is looking forward to, to 32, but yeah. Moses it says writes that song the same day and he teaches it to the people of Israel that will happen in chapter 32. As as far as hymn writers go, Moses is apparently a very good
1: one. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, that's I mean, right he's got the lord in his corner what
0: that's exactly how right. how bad could
1: it be that's right right but um i mean so we start getting into what the contents are going to be sort of the the prelude to the actual uh recitation of the song here and the idea is that uh god's bringing them into this wonderful place and he describes it uh this land flowing with milk and honey i think that's good I, yeah I mean, that's cattle and bees
0: those are all good yeah <laughs> i think so
1: Oh, and then he says, uh, but listen, when they get there, they're going to start eating and then they're going to grow, uh, full and fat and then they're going to turn to other gods. And it's almost that thing where, um, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you set a goal for yourself and it's like, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, I mean, for me, uh, it was, um, it was running or it was, you know, getting in better shape or whatever it happened to be. But it was like, once I hit that goal, it was, you know, it was almost like I had climbed that mountain. And so, what happens after that? Well, you get a little bit lackadaisical. You get a little bit lazy in it, and all of a sudden, you sort of rest on your laurels. That's another expression, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, and that puts you in a place where all of a sudden you're not on guard. You know, uh, once you finish that that diet where you lose all that weight you were trying to, all of a sudden you blink and you haven't been paying as much attention, and you know you you're not in the place that you had wanted to stay. So getting into the promised land is is a big deal, of course. Um, and then staying in the promised land and not allowing yourself to be in the promised land, but not of the promised land. I think we could say uh, that becomes sort of the challenge for God's people beyond the Torah is like, okay, it's time to move in and, and take possession. Uh, but what that what is that going to look like? Well, ultimately, unfortunately, uh, it looks like the land of Canaan actually taking possession of God's people, and all of a sudden they're right back in slavery where they were at the you know at the beginning of Exodus, um, and then they're going to be even marched out of the promised land, so that now Babylon has them, now Assyria has taken them. Um, So it's, it's this, this really interesting idea of, you know, are you in the place that God has put you Old Testament Israel? uh, And then once you're there, has that place actually taken the place of God in your life? Um, So, I mean, that's, that's going to be the the thing that unfolds as we move through the Old Testament. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is a theme that comes up throughout the book of Deuteronomy is that the Lord is giving you this promised land. He's keeping the promise he made. He's being faithful but don't let the land itself become an idol. Yeah. Don't let the riches that you receive become an idol. And it, I mean, it's remarkable how many times it's this idea of becoming fat and sleek, that yeah. that's what causes them to oh, stumble. Sure. And that's where they fall into idolatry. And so as you said, we get the summary of the song, which is going to flesh this out a lot more, yeah. and we're going to see the unfaithfulness unfold, again, as a witness to the people, against the people of Israel in their times of unfaithfulness. As the text moves forward again into verse 23, we return to Joshua, son of Nun, and now it is the Lord who speaks to him directly, yeah. not not through Moses, but the Lord commissions him. And again, we're going to see this repeat in the book of Joshua at the beginning. How does the Lord commission Joshua here in Deuteronomy 31?
1: Well, he talks to him. Yes. Yes. And I mean, there's, what does he there's, say? there's not actual built-in, you know, the Lord commissioned him. We don't know if he laid a stole on him or if he his face started glowing like Moses' hat or anything like that. Uh, before we look at 23, I just sure. want to ask you. In 22, it says, <laughs> Moses wrote this song the same day that God commanded him to, and then he taught it to the people of Israel. Have you ever written a hymn in one day, Pastor Apple? I have,
0: I have. In I have. one day? Yes, yes. Oh, you, yeah. you're good at this stuff. Yes, I, I did. I mean, after. Uh, after the the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary. I yeah, forget what that was. I remember that. Yeah. I wrote a I wrote a hymn based on the Holy Innocence and Matthew 2. And sure. The, the Jeremiah 31 reference there. That, I Did mean, you get I,
1: anything else accomplished that entire day? Because I, I can't imagine that I could sit down and write an entire hymn in one day.
0: Well, it's one of those moments where... You're, yeah, you're you're feeling things absolutely, and, and you have to write it down. Sure, and and that's what came. Now I revised it later. Yeah, you know, and again, the process of me writing a hymn is different than what go that Moses Obviously. goes through. Sure, right. but I think you I mean you do see that that's quite striking. He he writes it down that day. He just he sits teaches down and he it does to it. the people that day. I want I was as I was reading that verse, I was wondering about the teaching it to the people. Yeah, did, did they learn it that same right? day? Because it it's rather lengthy, you know. I mean, you've you, for you know, to memorize introducing hymns to a congregation. You you spend a whole month, sometimes more, and
1: apologizing that we picked such a difficult <laughs> to sing hymn. But or, Moses, yes,
0: he gives it to him that very day, right then, right yeah, there. Yeah, I think you see the faithfulness of Moses.
1: I don't think this is the verse that uh, that uh, is 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 meant to be unpacked nearly as much.
0: Probably not. Right. right. Probably not. But it is a it's a detail that just it's adds, you know, it adds a, a picture to the text that like, okay, he he actually did this right then, and right, right then, there. and there, yeah. 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 Anyways, so, Joshua.
1: So, yeah, God's going to talk to Joshua, right? Uh, he talks directly to Joshua, and that's something that's special because up until this point, I mean, God talks to Moses. Moses has been the guy; he's been the uh, the prophet who hears the word of the Lord and then speaks the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden, now Joshua hears these words, uh, which have actually uh, they're spoken three times in this chapter. So we've already heard this, uh, be strong and courageous, uh, for you will bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them, I will be with you. I mean, that I will be with you is the tag, that's the part that's added on, um, that is a word, and you contrast that with what has already been said a couple of times in our text today, um, that the people are going to be afraid, they're going to ask questions like, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us, verse 17. The people are always going to be worrying, and every time that something goes bad, they're Is going to be: Has God forsaken us? Did God abandon us? Is He, uh, you know, is is He with us or is He against us? But here are the words of comfort that are given to Joshua: That I will be with you. um, That be strong and courageous. Um, It also occurs four times in Joshua chapter one. Mm -hmm. So we're we're obviously when you leave Deuteronomy, uh, I don't know if we're going to do
0: Joshua. We are doing Joshua next.
1: Well, we're winding up for Joshua chapter one. It's coming soon. and that's was that a was that a reveal or did, did your listeners already? I think know about I've,
0: that? I I think I've already mentioned it a time or two at the end of a broadcast. But okay, if well,
1: not, surprise,
0: surprise! Joshua's yes. coming next.
1: Very good. But be strong and courageous. Uh, it implies that there is something uh, a task that's coming up that's going to need two things: strength and courage. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and certainly, if you uh, if you recall the uh, the account of Joshua, I mean that's. Uh, It's, it's the kind of thing that I would never, uh, pick, you know, like, you know, in the Bible, you know, which character would you have liked to have been like, not Joshua. I mean, he goes and has some, some good battles and things, but there's also a lot of times when stuff doesn't go their way. Uh, There's also, you know, that, um, that pain of, of, he follows in Moses's train, but he understands that, you know, even when he dies, he's like, uh, we got you guys here, but, You know, we didn't adequately conquer the promised land. I'm spoiling things for when we study Joshua, but things are, again they're not going to be great in the long run. Well, in the long run, they will be. That's right. But in the short you
0: gotta, term, you've got to keep going back to the Matthew. Yeah. I know. got to Get to Matthew one, one. Yes.
1: We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but so be strong and courageous. Uh, and then uh, this is sort of God pointing at Joshua and he's, you shall bring the people of Israel into the land. I swore to give them. This is when God, you know, puts his seal of approval on Joshua. When he says, you're the guy for this. Like, you know, I'm not picking somebody else. You're going to be the one who will judge this people in the stead of Moses because Moses is going to die. We've already mentioned that a couple of times, but now you're going to lead them in, and uh, I will be with you, which is all that Joshua needs, isn't it? Yep, that's I right. Mean, what else could he could he possibly ask for? If God is with him, who can stand against him? That's right. That's and New Testament too.
0: It is, and and the the fact that God is Paul, with him, Romans eight is where Joshua's strength and courage comes from. <laughs> it doesn't come from within yeah. himself. You yeah. know, I mean, you talked about, I wouldn't want to be Joshua, yeah. right? Neither would I, but the, what made Joshua able to go through all those things yeah. wasn't his own courage, strength or courage. Strength. Yeah. It was the fact that the Lord was with him. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But he also, he has that strength and courage, not just because, you know, he works out a lot and That's he's right. really brave or something, or because God said, well, be courageous okay, I'm now courageous. Uh, That strength, that courage comes from the fact that God is with him. Right. right. Which there's something beautiful about that. Mm -hmm. There's something really, really significant about the fact that where God is, he strengthens um, our weak knees and he allows people um, to have that kind of strength, not just to, to do amazing things, but most importantly, to cling to his word which is what Joshua is going to do is he's going to trust in God. And when he doesn't trust in God, when he wavers, when he has his own stumbles, just like Moses did, right? Uh, Things don't go well uh, for Israel in their battles.
0: Mm, That's right. Yeah. And again, all of this looking forward to, as you said earlier, the greater Joshua.
1: Of course, who didn't stumble. That's right. That's right.
0: And who is in fact, Emmanuel, God with us. Absolutely. The
1: there's, there's your Matthew. That's uh, right. Your Matthew. You know that uh, he, they will call his name Emmanuel, and then the very last promise given in Matthew, right? I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's a promise for you, dear Christian listener, um, that you can also be strong and courageous, and you don't even have to start a workout program or, you know, anything like that.
0: Because the Lord is with you. Oh, indeed. You are strong and courageous. Jesus. That's right. In verse twenty-four. It says Moses finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. It showed up earlier, but Moses writes stuff down. Yeah, that's this a big is, development. That really is, that we actually have, you know, how how old is the Bible right. in terms of written documents, yeah. at least as old as 1406 BC. There we have go. it right here.
1: That's the one. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah, Moses starts putting things in writing, and why is he doing that? Well... We've already mentioned it several times now because Moses is about to die. He's not going to be with them to be their their living oral history, right? Uh, which is something that, you know, I mean, even in like in churches, right? Like, I mean, as you've got aging members who have been members, lifelong members of this church or that church, you know, they do have an institutional memory where they know how things run and they remember when this Started or what happened here, or they know the history behind it. And if those kinds of things aren't preserved, if they're not written down, um, then they are lost. Um, And so that the word of God wouldn't be lost, um, it is written and it is recorded here. um, And that's ultimately what uh, you know where we get the Torah, right? That's right. This book of the law. um, I mean, that's that word there is Torah.
0: So Moses writes it. And then he gives it to the Levites who are carrying the Ark yeah. and tells them to take it, take this book that he's written, put it beside the Ark, and here we have this language of witness again. Yeah, again. So, So talk about what Moses is, what he says to do with the book and how it serves as a witness as well. Right, right,
1: right. So again, uh, the same idea with a covenant. Um, you're going to have the uh, the person who walks away with the, the paperwork. Um, I mean, uh, when was the last time that you guys uh, went to a car dealership and bought a car? What do they send you out with? Paperwork. Paperwork. Here's your paperwork. And it's like, do you guys have copies of this too? And they're like, don't worry about us. We got it. Right. (laughs) We won't forget how much you owe. Right. right. But so when you're on the, on the lesser side of it, when you're on the, uh, not the owner, but the. The buyer, you know, the seller, the buyer, right? When you're the buyer, you walk away with the paperwork that reminds you of your commitments to it. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Um, and the fact that they are to walk uh, and to have this with them right outside of the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is the focal point that God has given them uh, for their worship, for that, you know, not that it is an idol, because, of course, um, you know, God's presence, which dwells between the cherubim, right, right? Um, You don't actually see God there, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, on on top of the mercy seat. Um, uh, So this is the place that it is supposed to live and to dwell on these this written copy of the Torah, Um, likely uh, not uh, on in a book as we would understand it, but as in a series of scrolls, um, uh, maybe uh, as in the case of. You know, with the Dead Sea Scrolls and everything like that, hidden into pottery and things like that. But it's supposed to travel right alongside um, with uh, the Ark of the uh, of the Covenant, which is you know God's like kind of the the touch point. It's the this is this is where God's presence is. Uh, whenever the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, is set up, or ultimately when the temple is built, when the Ark of the Covenant is there, that is the place that you go. Uh, that is God's physical address, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so uh, there. Alongside of God with the Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff and the manna from the desert, uh, you know, there inside of it, there alongside of it is also God's word so that you won't forget. Um, and these words, Moses's uh, spoken, audible, oral words are now, um, they are now chiseled you know, with a, with an ink pen, uh, into these scrolls, so that Moses can continue to speak, um, and again, so that he can continue to bear witness against you whenever you don't live up to your end of the bargain. Yeah, he's going to call him back to it over and over again.
0: Yeah, and the fact that it's written down, I think, is significant. When you think about the song, you know, you can sing it, but what if they stop singing? Yeah. And then and and it does get forgotten by the or forgotten forgotten. There by it the is. People. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got the book, you know, you've got this, or the scroll, you know, but you've got it written down so that, again, it it stands there as a witness that, okay, you forgot the song, the book is still there. Right. Write that down. That's right.
1: Write that down. Take note of this.
0: Yes. It's important. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's, it's not difficult to think about... Contexts that we have today, you know, your your pastor comes to visit you, and maybe there's some dust on the Bible, and there's mm. you know there's a, a witness against us, you know that that, and I mean I look at my own shelf and books that well, have. and, and read, you think you know? of you know
1: um, that uh, that wonderful passage when uh, when young King Josiah discovers yeah. the Book of the Law, and it's just like in a in a cupboard somewhere, like it's hidden right. away in the temple, and he's like, hey, what's this? And they're like, I mean, it's it's the law, it's what we're supposed to be believing about God, you know, and it's like, oh wow, we hadn't been doing that for a couple of generations. That's probably a problem, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And they, they so. tear garments and they repent. I know, it's I bad. Mean, yeah. 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 But, that, but I think you, you see within that scene precisely what Moses is. I mean, this is the purpose of leaving it all there. Why is
1: it here? So that your conscience would be awakened, so that you would yeah. say, where am I? In you know comparison with where has God actually want you know called me to be
0: right, and then He calls you to repentance back to back himself. to that place. Absolutely, yep, that's right. And and if you've forgotten the song and the Bible gets stored away in a, <laughs> in a on a shelf where you never see it again, yeah. you still have heaven and earth as witnesses. We have talked a little bit about this, go. but they it gets repeated there in verse twenty-eight.
1: You got all kinds of witnesses. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were going to say, "Can I get a witness?" I'm just not. You as missed clever the opportunity. I'll text you about that next Thanks. time. I'll yeah. set you up. Yeah, please. Right. Verse 28. Yeah, Moses says, "Assemble to me the elders of your tribes and your officers, so I can speak these words in their ears. So I can call heaven and earth to witness against them." We have it again here. Mo- this is the the note that Moses is going to end on in this passage. Uh, is the fact that listen, creation itself is going to be testifying to the fact um, that you have uh, you have stepped out of the lines that God has given to you. That you are no longer in that place that God created for you and instead you've gone off on your own way um you need to be reminded of that um even our listeners today we need to be reminded uh, just like uh, in in first john chapter one if we say that we have no sin if we think that we've got it all figured out if we think that we're on the right path um john doesn't say this but i think we could say that you're cruising for a bruising mm-hmm. That's, that's another saying. That's another saying, right? But so we, if we are in that place where we think we've got all the answers, where we think we've got it all figured out, um, that is a great place for us to repent. Yeah. That's a great place for us to say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner right? That's a great place for us to step back from it and to realize um, that as long as death is a problem in this world, as long as um, as there is discord and strife and things are just falling apart all around us today, right? As long as that kind of thing is going on, uh, there is still uh, work for the Christian to do and that chief work for us is to repent and believe the gospel.
0: Mm, yeah. And that is a gift, a work that God does for us in his oh, He word. works it in us. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, That which we need the most, God gives. Thanks be to God. He does it through his word. Serving as a witness against us to call us to repentance, back to Him. We've got about three minutes here, sure. Pastor Beck. Help us to to wrap things up on this text from Deuteronomy 31. Well,
1: I mean, I, I'm not going to end on a an ellipsis. I'm not going to end in a place where we're not going to get to the the good stuff, where we're not going to finish the thought. Um, although that's what the book of Deuteronomy is ultimately going to do. It's going to leave us wanting more. It's going to leave us waiting for what is to come. I think that's what is appropriate for the Old Testament people of God um, is to look forward to Christ. The entire Old Testament uh, is a book that is written that is uh, intended to whet our appetites, saying, when will that one come who is supposed to crush the head of the old evil foe? When will all of the nations of the world be blessed through the seed of not only the woman, but through the seed of Abraham? When is this going to take place? And the answer is that resounding testament that has also been written down for our instruction and for our learning. It's that resounding testament of Jesus Christ himself. So that's the the full-blown trajectory of everything that we're going to read in the Old Testament is that it all points to Jesus. Uh, the children of Israel, they're about to enter into the promised land, but Moses has already told them in many and various ways just how bad that's actually going to wind up being for them. It's going to be a little good. God is faithful. He fulfills his promises. But at the end of the day, their faithlessness is going to continue to be a problem until Jesus comes, and He takes all of that faithlessness, all of that uh, that that curse of sin upon Himself, to the point that He says, "Father, uh, you know, my God, my God, why have You forsaken me?" It's for the sake of Israel's sin, Moses's sin, Joshua's sin, Pastor Apple and my sin, and yours, dear listener. That Jesus was forsaken by God so that we would never be forsaken, and we could always hear those words given to Joshua that and God says, "I am with you." That is why Deuteronomy ends on a cliffhanger with an ellipsis, and that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is coming again soon. That's the only ellipsis that we've got left, is that Jesus is coming again soon. Uh, God grant that he would come quickly. Um, come quickly, Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Pastor Dustin Beck is pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Ward Texas, helping us today with Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 to 29. Pastor Beck, I gave you three minutes, and you only took about two.
1: I took two and a half. Two and a half. I was watching. I was paying close attention.
0: Thank you for being our guest today, Pastor My pleasure. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. The history of Israel was a history of unfaithfulness, and when we examine our own lives, there is plenty of unfaithfulness to confess. The Lord leaves us a witness so that we would look to him in repentance and faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about Deuteronomy or the next book in our series, the book of Joshua, please send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org. You can also use the open mic feature in the app to send a message to us. We love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.